So this morning, I have the privilege to open the word with you. And if you're new here to Calvary Church, I want to welcome you here. Um, we want to make sure that you know that you are welcome here. That This is a, a large place, but you are, are seen here uh, by God. He knows that you are here. He knows your name this morning. My name is Mark Scopp and I lead our college and young adult ministry here. And I also am the team leader for kids through students. And uh, I want to brag on them for a little bit this morning. Uh, downstairs, there are hundreds of kids running around um, and we have the opportunity to preach the gospel to them. But a lot of times we don't think all throughout the week, the work that goes on by our students team is they're strategizing and planning and thinking about how to communicate the gospel to like fifth and sixth graders. It's hard, right? They have the tension span of a gnat a lot of times. And so um, I know some of you are in here and you're drawn and it's okay, great. But really the reality of trying to engage with teenagers sometimes is difficult. Uh, trying to engage with students is difficult, with kids is difficult. And so we wanna be praying for them. Uh, we wanna uh, be engaged with them as parents. We, we love you and we want to work with you and we love these students that are here. And so I'm just so thankful for the team that I get to work with, uh, men and women who are dedicated to seeing kids know the gospel and be transformed by the gospel. And so I'm thankful for them this morning. This morning though, I have the opportunity to open God's word with you. Uh, and we are in Matthew chapter seven and we've been in this series in Matthew and we'll be in it for a while. And we've jumped around a little bit with uh, where we are. And today we're gonna be in Matthew chapter seven. That's gonna be on page 788 in the Pew Bible. And we're walking through the entirety of the gospel of Matthew, which is really just an amazing narrative. It's got so much detail of who Jesus is the teachings that he gave. And today we have the unique privilege of looking at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is filled with truth. And so this summer, we're gonna be kind of diving in specifically to the Sermon on the Mount, but we're gonna be going through just a little piece at the end here um, where Jesus kind of turns and does this kind of self-reflective look for us. And so as we open that up this morning, before we do that, we're gonna play a little trivia. All right, so we have a little bit of a trivia. I'm in college and young adults, we play lots of trivia in there. So I got some trivia for you, real simple, two pictures, first one up on the screen. All right, we've got a picture number one, now picture number two. Don't gag, all right? I think that's an orange there at the bottom, maybe. All right, real quick, question and answer time. Which one is healthy fruit? I don't know if you can, I don't know if you can figure it out. It's kind of difficult. Which one is the healthy fruit? If you said number one, you are right. Way to go. Give yourself a point. All right. So the second one is clearly rotted. Uh, I wouldn't want to feed that to like a chicken. It might kill them. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's something you do not put on your table. You do not serve that. That is not something that you are proud to kind of show off in your house. If I walk into your house and that's the bowl sitting on your counter, I'm thinking about all my choices at that point, right? So first one. Now I want you to keep that in mind as I give you our main idea for this morning. Because this main idea is what we're kind of taking from this entirety of the text. And it's this, relationship is the key to bearing good fruit. 
Relationship is the key to bearing good fruit. Now let's read from chapter seven, verses 15 and following. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Then in verse 21, it goes on. For everyone who says to me, sorry, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will say to them plainly, one of the saddest things that could ever be spoken over you. I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. So as we hear this passage, as we read this text, I wanna ask you another question. Round number two. I've got another picture to show you. All right, picture number two. All right, the question is this, which of these individuals is bearing good fruit? Which of these individuals? I mean, we, we've got a man, we've got a woman up there. Which of these individuals? It's a trick question. You don't know. Now I want you to look at the person to your left and your right. Say, I'm glad you're here. And then if you really want to, you can look at them and say, this sermon's for you. <laughs> right? Because here's the reality. A lot of times when we hear sermons that talks about good fruit and bad fruit, and, hey, you want to know how bad fruit and good fruit come about? This is how you're going to, we really quickly go outward. We really start to make comparisons. We, still, we start, well, I think because that guy has a beard, he's not bearing good fruit. I don't know, you know. Like we start to make up some sort of a reason why we can start to look outward. This sermon is not for the people outward. This sermon is for you. This sermon is so that you can examine your own heart and that you can look at what God is doing in your life because there's no possible way that we can start to look outward before we look inward. And I know that there's going to be a temptation at some point throughout this message that you're going to be like, well, this isn't about me. This is, yeah, this is about so-and-so. I, I, should, I should get them the recording of this, right? Like this is for you, for me. This is not about the outward person because you can't just look at somebody and say, oh, you're bearing good fruit. Oh, you're not bearing good fruit. This is not what that is. This is about a relationship a relationship is the key to bearing good fruit. And so if we don't first look at the relationship, then there is no possible way whether or not we can know whether good fruit or bad fruit is coming out. And so point number one is this, fruit is the outcome of the tree. What does it say 
in verse 16 and following. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do not, uh, people do not pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs or thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit, right? So fruit is the outcome of the tree. And if my tree is not connected to the root of God, then I cannot bear good fruit. Here's where the reality is all gonna start to come together, right? If my root, my system, my branch, my body is not connected to something deeper than just myself, then man, I can get, I can get tipped over, I can get pushed over, I can get moved around by the world so easily. But if my tree is planted into a root that is Christ Jesus, then my feet are not moved by the waves of this world. I am planted deep into a root that is unmovable and that will rise up in me and bear good fruit. It's easy to look at actual fruit and to say what is rotten and what is not. It's not so easy to look at people and to say what is rotten and what is not. And so therefore we have to then go into the relationship with God, which is the lifeblood of bearing good fruit. If I don't have if I don't want to be caught up in the producing of bad fruit, then I have to know that I am in a relationship with the root Jesus Christ. I have to know that I'm in a relationship with Jesus. And that takes investing in a relationship that is good. Investing in the relationship is the only good investment. The only way that we can know that we're gonna bear good fruit is if we're investing in the best relationship that's ever been offered to us. Here's the thing. We all do something that might end up looking a little foolish at times. Got this rope here, it's kind of long. I want you to think for a moment, if this rope represents all of eternity, this little strip of red tape represents your life. If I'm investing just in the here and the now, if I'm investing in the things that matter in the temporal, if I'm putting all my time and my effort and my money and my talents and my giftings into this little piece of red tape, I'm missing out on investment into the eternal. But if I invest in the root, that is Jesus Christ, the only eternal God, I'm investing in something that doesn't just last this time here on earth, but I'm investing in something that goes on and on and on and on for all of eternity. I'm investing in something that actually matters beyond the 80, 90 years that I may or may not live here on this earth. I'm investing in something that says, that God says is worth far more than any treasure that could ever be found here on earth. I'm investing in a relationship with Jesus Christ that has eternal consequences for all and all and on and on and all of eternity that cannot be measured. But sometimes I think we get really, really, really caught up in the here and the now. And we start to invest and we start to say, well, man, this, this, this matters because it's, it happened yesterday or it's happening tomorrow. And we forget that we serve an eternal God that was before this world was ever spoken into being and will be far after it passes away. And so when we seek to invest in the eternal, we're investing in a root 
that has a relationship that goes along with it. And when we invest in that relationship, then we start to bear fruit in these few years here on earth that will have lasting impact for all of eternity. So then the question comes, well, how do I know if I'm gonna bear fruit? How do I know if I'm in a relationship with God? Number two is this, we do the will of the Father. Verse 21 says this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I don't know about you, but that's a scary passage. That's a scary passage in a world where people will go around and they will slap Jesus' name on everything. Man, if I want an Instagram following, it's not that hard. I just got to start saying some things that feel real good and slap Jesus' name on it. And then people will just start to follow me and they'll start to praise me and they'll start to say, oh, wow, that was amazing. But if I don't have a relationship to do the will of the Father, then I'm in deep trouble and I'm getting real close to the Lord saying, I never knew you. The relationship comes when I do the will of the Father. How do we know if we have good fruit? Simple, we do the will of the Father. The problem is there's so many things that happen day in and day out that we try to do on our own. Man, I got this new job opportunity. Well, let's, let's, let's write out a pro and con list, right? You know, so pro, it's more money. Pro, it's a, it's a promotion. Pro, it, it, you know, it's, it's going to give me some affluence with, with the people in my community. Con, it's going to take a little bit more time away from my family. But here's the thing. If I work really hard right now, then maybe I can retire early and I'll have more time with my family then. Yeah, this is, this is going to work out. All right, so I, I think I'm going to take the job. I'll be honest. It's like those two pictures up there. I don't know if it was the right choice or not but neither do you because you never asked the will of the father. You made a pro and con list and you asked yourself what would fit your needs here in this little temporal piece for, for the, the here and the now. You never asked God, do you want me to have this job? Is this your will for my life? Maybe God is saying, yes, go for it. I wanna use you in this place to affect change. But maybe he's saying, no, you can't handle it. You can't handle the influence. You can't handle the money. You can't handle the power. You need to stay where you are and you need to invest in what I've called you to here. How will you know unless you ask the will of the father? God, I desire to be married. I desire to have a family. And so I'm looking everywhere and I can't find, you know, God, there's this person out there and they say they love you. So, I mean, that seems like a place where I need to jump in and let's do this. Are you asking the will of the father? Are you getting in a relationship to solve a you problem that only Jesus can fill? We have to ask the will of the Father. And if we don't ask the will of the Father, then we're always gonna be diving into situations that are investing in the here and the now and not in the eternal. Because it's not gonna be a relationship question. It's gonna be a me question. And so how do we ask the will of the Father according to the will of the father. Well, there was a law, uh, somebody who, a follower of the law who came and asked Jesus one time, Jesus, what are, what are you, what's the most important commandment that you can give me? And he sees, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and then go and love your neighbor 
as yourself. I want to I want to tell you a good litmus test to find out the will of the Father is to ask these two questions. Is this going to help me love God with all my heart and with all my soul and with all my mind better? And is this going to help me love my neighbor as myself? If the answer is yes, I think you're on track to doing the will of the Father and what he has commanded you to do. If the answer is no, or if you're trying to sneak in an answer, well, yeah, maybe. I mean, like if I make more money, then maybe I could like fix my fence, which would be loving my neighbor. All right, boom. No, is this going to put you in a position to engage with your neighbor in the most loving way possible, which would bring them into a relationship with Jesus Christ? Then I can know if I'm doing the will of the Father because I'm obeying his commands. I'm not just setting myself up for success. I need to do what Lord has called me to do. And I need to do it with a heart that is consumed with who Jesus is and what he has asked me to do. Not just what I feel in the moment. And here's the thing, the Lord is good. He is gracious. And therefore God doesn't need a show. He doesn't need a show. He says in verse 22, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform any miracles? God's not asking you to perform for him. He's not asking you to do some task so that you can earn a relationship with him. You might be one of those people who says, well, I've been coming to Calvary Church for 30 years. I mean, I've been connected, like I've done my due diligence to sit in these seats. I've, I've tied faithfully. And God's like, yeah, that's great. I've asked for a relationship with you. And I know that that sometimes, it requires far more than just showing up. A relationship is saying, God, what do you want from me? How do I do your will? How do I obey your commands? And yes, he commands things of us and he asks things of us, but first he needs you to know that it's not about this remarkable display. What did the Pharisees do? And they gave their large sums of money. They put on their beautiful robes. They stood in the corners of the streets and prayed beautifully. And all the people around them thought, wow, that's the standard. And he's like, that's disgusting. That's like a whitewashed tomb. Looks beautiful on the outside and on the inside, it's just rotting and decaying because it does not have a relationship as its foundation. It doesn't matter what we do if we don't have a relationship to found it in. No matter what we do for the Lord in his name, if it doesn't have a relationship, it will only last for a period of 80 to 90 years. But if we do things inside of relationship with Jesus Christ, now it all of a sudden has eternal consequences. It has eternal value that goes far beyond the here and the now. And so we do things not to show what we can do. We do things to honor the Lord with our hearts. Matthew 9.13, Jesus says to the Pharisees, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And when Jesus says these words, it's sparking in the Pharisee's mind, Hosea 6, 6, where he basically, Hosea is saying, the Lord desires mercy, not sacrifice, right? 
And so in that moment, these Pharisees are starting to kind of compute a little bit in their minds. What did Hosea do? He, he listened to the Lord so far so that he went and married a prostitute to see and show this picture of God in Israel and the way that he loves us in our sin nature and forgives us in our sin nature so that we can have a relationship with him. And so then Jesus is saying, I don't want your, your flashy sacrifices. I want your heart. I want you to be merciful to people. I want you to love people. I want you to care for your neighbor in the ways that I've taught you to. I want a relationship with you. Jesus doesn't desire the extravagant. He just desires the simple relationship of an attitude and a heart bent towards him. How do we do the will of the Father? Well, we do the will of the Father by understanding that a relationship is enough. A relationship is enough. There's nothing we can do on this earth that is gonna earn a relationship. There's nothing we can do on this earth that is gonna earn us a closer bond with God. There's only in a relationship and not in a relationship. There's only two, because here's the thing. Once you are in a relationship with God, his love is perfect towards you. He can't love you any more and he can't love you any less because he is perfect. We can waver, we can falter, we can struggle, but God says, I love you perfectly in this relationship. Outside of a relationship with God, we will flounder, we will falter, we will ask every question under the sun. We will wonder, why can't we do enough to earn it? But God says, it's while you were dead in your sins and trespasses that I, that I died for you. It was while you didn't know me that I died for you. And so it's when we come in and we enter into relationship with Jesus that we discover this, this new and fresh living water that, that is only given in Jesus. The relationship is enough. Verse 23 says, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The reason we don't have you look to your left and to your right and say, oh, how, all right, what, who else needs this sermon? Is because we all need this sermon. We all need this truth from God's word to remind ourselves, what does my relationship with Jesus look like? What does my relationship with the, with the God of all creation look like? I mean, first of all, why does he even want a relationship with me? But second of all, like how am I engaging with him? Well, first of all, he wants a relationship with you because he made you. He made you. He crafted you out of nothing and he said, I want a relationship with you. I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you did last week. I love you and I want a relationship with you. And so therefore, when we come back and why do we want a relationship with him? Because he offers something that nobody else and nothing else in all of this creation and all of this world can offer. 
He offers purpose. He offers satisfaction. He offers joy that is unshakable. He offers peace. And the only way that it will ever make sense, I know it, it seems crazy at times, the only way it will ever make sense is if you're in the relationship with him. That's the only way that, that Peter and Paul and James and John get to walk around and preach the gospel to a people that don't want to hear it. They get beheaded. They get beaten. They get dismembered. Why? Because the suffering is worth it because the satisfaction of being in relationship is so far better than anything this world had to offer that they said, take it all. I don't care. I have to be in relationship with Jesus. This is the only lifeblood that I have. This is the only thing that, that matters in this world. My brother's church uh, gave this challenge that they're going through and they're reading through the whole New Testament in the month of January. And so my wife and I were like, all right, let's jump on, let's do it. And so we've been going through the gospels in this first week and we read through Matthew uh, in four days. And it's a lot of reading and it takes a lot of time. But it was so good to be reminded of the truth of the book of Matthew in one small setting. Because as I was preparing to teach this passage and teach this message, I was like, man, Jesus says this over and over and over again. He says these truths over and over and over again. And, and he keeps reiterating and he keeps preaching it to the people that the only way that we can be satisfied, the only way that we can truly live is if we're connected to the Father. And if we're doing the will of the Father. And I think there's something unique here. The opportunity that we have here is to be reminded of the goodness and the grace and the mercy of the Father. And so this morning, I see, I see that we have three positions that we can take. The first is this. I'm not ignorant to think that there aren't people in this congregation that have a thriving relationship with Jesus. I believe that I've seen the fruit of that. I've seen some of the relationships. I've seen the way that you love God and, and I've seen the things that have come from that. And so I'm excited to see that people are joined arm in arm and saying, yes, we want to deepen our relationship with God because God is infinite. And so I wanna spend the rest of my life just mining at the gold that is Jesus Christ. And one day my eyes will be revealed to more and more and more for all of eternity. The reason that heaven will not be boring is because we serve an infinite God. And so when we see Jesus face to face, we won't be full, we won't know everything. We will spend all of eternity just being overjoyed with the overwhelming presence of who God is more and more and more and more every single hour. It will go on forever. It will be the most enjoyment you've ever felt. It will be, it will be full peace. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow or sin, no more death or destruction. It will just be living in perfect unity and relationship with Jesus. So I think we have two more situations here this morning. We have, some of us have just, we've been in relationship with Jesus, but we've fallen asleep. And we need to be revived a little bit. 
We've got our head down. We've got our nose to the grind. We're, we're earning that money. We're doing that job. We're in that relationship. We're doing the things that we need to do to get through the day. And Jesus is asking us, look up, make eye contact with me. Make some eye contact with me. I need to know that you're tracking with me in this relationship. He's saying, I want to spend some time with you. I want to engage with you on a little deeper level here. You've been kind of doing your own thing and I've asked you to do my will and you're kind of doing your will. I need you to refocus. God is so good. He is so good and he's so merciful. If I chose that job with more money and more influence and more power, God's not like, all right, I'm done with you. Fine, you made a wrong choice. He's like, okay, you wanna do that? It's gonna be a little harder for you now, but you can still turn to do my will. You can still obey my will. It might take a little more effort. It might take a little more will. It might take a little more of you turning and actually obeying what I'm asking you to do, but I'm gonna be merciful and I'm gonna be gracious to you. Why? Because he's in relationship with you and he wants to work with you. And there's the third person sitting here this morning. You're not in relationship with him. And this morning you're feeling a conviction and you're feeling, you know, I'm not in relationship. I've sat here for a few years and I'm not in relationship with him. I'm doing my own thing. I'm going my own way. And here's the thing. I think these people who have said, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. Lord, Lord, we, we did these things in your name. Do you know what I think they, they wanted from Jesus? I think they wanted a savior, but I don't think they wanted a Lord. They said, Lord, yeah, yeah, we, we did these things. Like you, you're gonna save us, right? You're gonna be the king of the Jews. And so, so we did them in your name. And he's like, you don't understand. This isn't just about being a savior. This is about me being your Lord. I am your king. I am your Lord. I'm not a presidential candidate. You don't get a vote on what's in and what's out. You, you don't have a say. You obey what the king does. Why? Because then the king comes forward and he stands up for you and he protects you and he walks before you and he guides you. What does David say? I delight in the law of the Lord. I meditate on it day and night. I think so many times we look at God's word and we say, oh, the law is, ooh, it's uncomfortable. We don't delight in it. Why? Because we're toddlers. What do toddlers need? I have one right now. What do toddlers need? They need boundaries. Because if they have every choice in the world, then they will flat down on their face and they will scream and kick. That's what they do. That's what we do. But when we have boundaries, when we have the law of the Lord, and he says, walk in this, and man, your paths will be straight. Why? Because love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. Why is there no law against love and joy and peace and kindness and gentleness? Because it's from the Lord and what is, he's made a straight path for us to walk in. What is the law that he gives us? Hey, uh, don't desire your neighbor's wife. Hey, don't murder. Hey, stop lying. Hey, stop, stop cheating the people around you. He's like, when you do those things, 
bad things happen. When you do what I've called you to do, you can delight in it. It can be joyful for you. You can walk in knowing that you're following the king, you're doing his will, and you have relationship with him. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you don't have a relationship, there's good news. God says, whatever you did last night, I love you and I want a relationship with you. Whatever you did last week, I love you and I want a relationship with you. But there's also hard news. There's also hard news. Because if you're going to make him king and you're going to make him Lord of your life, he's going to say, you now have to surrender your will. You have to surrender your agenda. You have to surrender your way so that you can follow and do the will of the Father. But in that, there will be a joy, there will be a satisfaction, there will be a purpose that you've never experienced before. Because when we fully lay down our lives and we give ourselves over to the Father, we stop investing in the here and the now and we get to invest in all of eternity. And we get to look forward to the kingdom that is coming that can't even be touched by what we have here on earth. We get to look forward to a God who's gonna welcome us in and say, I know you, I know you, come here, give me a hug. I love you, I want you. And so as we close this morning, you have the opportunity. Because I think sometimes we've, we've been told, there's no combination of words to pray. There's no special order to pray them in. If you want a relationship with Jesus, it's simply you in your heart and your mind saying, God, I need you. And it might sound something like this, God, I'm a sinner and I know it. There's no hiding it. But God, I want a relationship with you because I not only need a savior, but I need a king. Lord, would you enter into my heart? Would you rescue me from myself? And you, would you help me to begin a relationship today? I want to engage with you, God. I want to know you more. I want to do your will. And if you've prayed that prayer, come talk to me. I want to, I want to congratulate you. I want to celebrate with you. Right out these double doors, we have a prayer room. There's people in there that want to pray with you, that want to celebrate with you. Right out these double doors, there's a connection booth. We want to pray with you and celebrate with you. If you're still unsure of what that means, come talk to one of us. Because God is sitting and waiting with bated breath, saying, I'm here, I'm ready. When you want to start the relationship, I'm all in. And my promises will never fail you. So please, I beg you, come to him. He's waiting. Let's pray. Father God, we ask, we ask humbly, Lord, that you would meet us in this place. It's only because of you, it's only a relationship with you that we even stand here, God. Lord, I ask, Father, that your spirit would move wherever it will. And Lord, that you would be glorified in this moment. God, we want to invest in the eternal. We want to invest in what you've called us to.
So Lord, would you meet us here in your name? Amen.